So, welcome to Proact's Living Working Abroad webinar, Four Ways to uh, Live and Work in the, U in the EU After Brexit. Last week we had a momentous day, the EU Council meeting of leaders on the 23rd and 24th. Um, after all the haranguing of the last few uh, months, finally agreed quite tamely to uh, a, a transition agreement and a, a treaty for the UK to leave the EU. Is that the first big European battle? The EU was set up in, in, in part to prevent European wars and this is where the initial EU project started in, in the 1950s between Italy, France and Germany. But th there was actually a previous war in the first war which involved all the EU nations but there's a much bigger one in, in 1815. It was the Battle of Waterloo where the mass ranks of the Prussian um, uh, Empire uh, combined with the British to overthrow the French. And this was the war to end all wars at the time. Sadly, followed 100 years later by what was then called euphemistically the First World War and the Second World War. So, um, 200 years after the Battle of Waterloo in June 1815, the UK elected a new government on the promise of a referendum on Brexit, which within a year uh, agreed for the UK uh, to come out of the EU. And uh, that then progressed uh, to last uh, weekend, last Friday, when uh, a transition treaty was agreed and ratified and ratified by the Council of Ministers to allow the uh, Brexit to, to now really, really, really get going. What's been agreed is that the, the UK will leave the EU in a year's time. So one year after signing, uh, triggering Article 15 and releasing from the EU, uh, the UK have then uh, come along and said that um, uh, and agreed this transitional agreement uh, with with the EU for Brexit to start on the 29th of March 2019. That's a year from today. Um, after that, there's, there is still another transitional period that's been agreed that runs through to the 31st of December 2020. So, full Brexit, the UK is not free of the EU until the 1st of January 2021. So that's still sort of three years away, but uh, not that far. And there's much to be done in, in the meanwhile with a, a trade agreement. Uh, as the EU moves, as moves from having uh, a major contributor in the UK to uh, standing on its own 27 legs and having the, the uh, the UK going out into the big, bad global world. There's 450 million people in the EU, 70 million in the UK. So it's a sizable loss of, of, of a contribution from the EU, but something that now appears to be accepted that it's going to be a reality. Some countries would rather it didn't, but other countries uh, you know, are, are not adverse to the, the thing proceed, proceeding now. And the UK will then go to trade with 7 billion people around the world in countries like China with a population of over 2.5 billion. 
or India with a population of a billion, or USA with a population of 300 million. North America has got more people in it than, than the EU as, as a trading partner. And Japan, an island country off uh, Korea and Russia and uh, China, has got a similar population to the UK. So there's a big wide world out there for the UK to now uh, make transition agreements which they can negotiate during the transition period but they can't implement until the, the, the uh, end of the transition period, the end of December 2021. Um, there's three sticking points that might still uh, get in the way of this but it now looks as though there is broad agreement and broad consensus that Brexit will happen. The good news and the common sense that is prevailing is that the EU and the UK are both starting from the same position. They've got the same trade rules at the moment. So why do they need to make a new agreement? Why not just carry on like that? Well, the EU don't want that because they don't want the UK importing cheap goods from around the world and slipping them into the um, uh, EU by, by the back door. Um, that, as far as the EU is concerned, is something that would undermine their 40 years of building a social market economy, which is free trade and tariff-free. But as Donald Trump has shown in the last few weeks, that um, the EU is a free trade area, but only within itself. And, and, and what the British know is that when trading outside that, and the EU know this, trade will be a lot cheaper and the tariffs in the world free trade zone will be a lot less. And, and uh, the UK hope that uh, th that will create a major economic boost for them. Um, and it should do. And already expats can see that the pound is strengthening um, for the first time since the Brexit vote in June 2016 it fell from almost 140 to the euro to, to nearly 110 to the euro. Um, so there's been a rebound of, of um, 2% already uh, in, in just the week since the um, withdrawal treaty draft was agreed last week. Uh, this will make, be good for the EU because it will make the EU a better investment location for British people. Um, uh, a stronger pound is, is a, a, a signal of a stronger UK economy in the wider world. And uh, again, uh, British companies uh, will have a global part to, to play. And, and therefore will still be a valuable trading partner to the, to, to the EU. There's three issues that, that uh, are likely to still cause a problem. For, uh, for Brexit. One is financial services, which EU, uh, the UK want. They want to be the clearing house of uh, finance, uh, currency exchange settlements and euro exchange settlements. They want to remain the, the world centre for that. Uh, fisheries, and the EU want, want the fisheries. The EU want and have got currently a lot of the UK fishing rights to the detriment of the UK industry. Um, the EU want that. Um, 
and it's quite possible the two will end up being parried off against each other. There are issues during the transition period, um, but we will see there will be some bartering. Countries like Luxembourg strongly favoured um, keeping the, the financial services centre of Europe in the UK. On the other extreme, you've got France, who are desperate to get any slice of the cake of that business, uh, moved from London to Paris. Uh, the third big issue is the island border, where the Irish government have still got a potential veto on, on the deal, where they're trying to keep an open border agreement. They haven't resolved that issue in this withdrawal, draft withdrawal treaty, but it, it is still an issue and it still will come up. But there is uh, a law in England, the 1949 uh, Irish Act, that allows for free trade with, between Ireland and the UK. And the, the, it shouldn't be beyond the wit of uh, man for them to make an agreement to allow the open border arrangement to carry on. I know that existed many, many years ago because long before the uh, IRA troubles in Ireland, uh, we lived right on the border and we, we would regularly be wandering in and out of uh, Northern and Southern Ireland uh, without any consequence. Um, if, if there's no consequence, there's no benefit from trade, then there would be no smuggling. And uh, the, the neighbours are our neighbours, whether there's a border there or not. So that there is a way to resolve that issue um, uh, to the satisfaction of, of uh, the, the Northern Irish and the Southern Ireland. Because for Theresa May, she's now talking about keeping together her own common market, uh, which is the UK, and, and, and adding trading partners into that. Um, but assuming that balances are found with all those, the UK will in a year's time uh, be leaving the EU. So what we want to look at today is uh, four ways that you can um, stay living and working in the EU after Brexit. And this depends upon your status beforehand. The first thing you have to do is that you have, right up until Brexit on the 29th of March 2019, if you become legally resident in another EU country, then you can you you will retain that right to live and work in that country um, uh, for at least the, the period of the transition agreement. So um, everybody who is currently uh, uh, an EU expat living in the UK uh, or uh, a British expat living in the EU now know, as things stand. Uh, to the 31st of December 2020, they can remain living and working in the EU under the present agreements. Now, there is an evolution clause in the withdrawal treaty, which allows everything to change, and who knows what that might be, but uh, as it's written at the moment, if you're legally resident in that country by, before Brexit, then you will retain that, that right at least for a short period of time. Um, but that means that you need to um, move to that country, become resident in that country, that have an accommodation and an address in that country, satisfy the local regulations to become registered there uh, and be a tax resident if you're working. 
Um, but once you've got that uh, EU citizenship permit, then you can remain beyond Brexit, whether you're an EU citizen living and working in the UK or a British citizen living and working in, in, um, in, in the EU. A second way then is having attained that initial status, having moved to that EU country or to the UK before, the, uh, uh, before Brexit, then the, the, next, the next issue that uh, you need to consider is that after five years, uh, an, an EU citizen um, can uh, apply for a permanent residency. Now, permanent residency is, is in effect a 10-year visa um, that, that's used for non-EU citizens uh, to live and work in the EU. Now, British people living in the EU will become non-EU citizens, um, whether you deem that after Brexit in March 2019 or after the transition period in January 2021. They will then become non-EU citizens. But if you evoke a permanent residency before that date, a permanent residency is a 10-year um, permanent visa and will allow you unlimited trips um, you know, between your home country and your EU country of residence. Now, clearly this won't apply to EU expats living in the UK because the UK will no longer be subject to EU law and the EU migration uh, won't be um, uh, allowing us to... Um, uh, UK immigration won't have the same rules and the same effect as, um, as, as, as the, you would get within the EU. Uh, so the UK have already started to change their, their, their rules of residency and they've laid out quite clearly what, what they're going to be after, after um, Brexit. But for now, any uh, British person or, or any uh, citizen living and working in the EU can get a permanent residency to live for, for 10 years in, in that country. Uh, so that, that might work for uh, retired uh, British expats or, or for working expats who, who are on a contract but you know, not planning necessarily to be here for, for the rest of their lives in a country like Spain or Portugal or, or Cyprus. Um, but the permanent residency could be a good stepping stone to your third option um, because once you've lived in any country around the world, whether it's EU or not, for a certain level of time, you can normally qualify for some form of citizenship uh, by naturalisation. Now, there's a number of different ways, but we're just talking here firstly about time served. So if you have been in Cyprus for seven years or in the UK and Ireland for five years, um, you can apply for a, 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 a naturalisation uh, a citizenship, um, uh, a settled status, as the UK would call it, to live and work in that that country, uh, uh, you know, forever, under a dual citizenship arrangement. That means you've got your home country passport and you've got your second country passport. Now, this doesn't work for every EU country, 
because some countries around the world, inside and outside the EU, don't allow for dual citizenship. Uh, Austria, Netherlands and Germany don't, have, uh, don't allow dual citizenship. But countries like Cyprus, Ireland and the UK uh, do. So there, there are options there where uh, a British or a Russian or an EU citizen can obtain uh, two passports and, and retain a foothold into, into, into the EU for, for living and working abroad. A second way that you can get citizenship is by investment. And countries like Portugal, Hungary and Malta and Cyprus offer citizenship by investment. This is a fast track approach where you need something like two million uh, to be invested in, in the country that would allow you to acquire uh, citizenship. In Cyprus, that can be two million invested in property or two and a half million in the business, euros, that would then allow you to get citizenship within six months. Uh, another way to get uh, a, a citizenship would be marriage. So if uh, you're living and working in another country and uh, an EU expat in the UK married a British person, that would enable them to acquire a, a settled status. And, and the same for anybody living in Spain and marrying a Spaniard or Portuguese, or even um, uh, living in a, another country, uh, uh, marrying any EU national will give you rights uh, in some way to, to repatriate to that country and potentially give you a way to, to stay living and working in the EU. Um, and family can be very important. Um, football teams are very good at this. International football teams are finding people with, uh, you know, remote ancestors. So uh, uh, the the British rugby team have got a lot of players that have got Tongan and Fijian uh, roots and nationality. Those people came to live in the UK and, and acquired their citizenship over time to allow them then to play for England. But then uh, the smaller UK football nations like Ireland and, uh, and Wales and Scotland acquire people from Manchester and uh, London to, to play for them because they, they have got um, parents or grandparents that have got citizenship or heritage from another country. So the world is full of expats um, moving around the world uh, it's not something new in, in, in the, in the uh, time of, of the Battle of Waterloo. Um, the, the British army had moved all the way through Portugal, Spain and into France to fight the Battle of Waterloo in Belgium. But the Prussians, which included the, the Dutch, the Danish, parts of Sweden um, and uh, Lithuania, Poland and Germany, um, against the against the French, the French Empire, which you know included uh, a Corsican uh, in Napoleon. So you know the, there's a very lot of expats already there. Many who moved to the UK during that period, as well as UK citizens moving to uh, moving to Europe. My Irish ancestry is from a French. 
brothers who went to Ireland uh, to join the army. So, um, you know, everybody's got potential roots of, of being expats. And, and th this you could look at. So if you've got uh, Portuguese or Spanish ancestry or French or Dutch, that would give you a potential opportunity to have um, a, a dual citizenship. And of course, depending on which Irish bar you go into in the world, you'll always find somebody who's got an Irish grandparent somewhere. So um, the, the Irish are very, very open to, to uh, nationalising people with, with their roots um, uh, and reclaiming their Irish heritage. So that could be a way to get a, an EU passport, dual citizenship, which would allow you to freely move around the EU. The, another version of that, so the fourth way to live and work in the EU is something I, I would like to cover in a bit more detail. Um, but. Uh, it, it's another way um, to to stay in a country um, without necessarily having any other rights. Now, this way will work after Brexit as well as before Brexit. So, if you are a citizen from another country, then depending on what the immigration rules are, and they can be very tough in some countries to get a green card for the USA or to get a, a work permit, a tier two work permit in the UK it can be quite tough. But if you um, go to work in another country, if you set up a business in another country, then um, there, there are mechanisms, there, there are measurements, there are assessments that can be made for what are the criteria you are that would allow you to go and live in that country and get a, a resident permit, um, not based upon your EU citizenship, but based upon the fact of the business that you're setting up in that country. If you're going to a country like Estonia, you can make this application online. If you come to a country like Cyprus, it's a bit more paper. Um, um, but generally, the rules are quite complex, but, but they are doable. And each country has a flavour of the type of people they want to attract. So Cyprus has an economy where they're quite happy to receive third world migrant workers uh, on a fixed contract um, because they deem this to be a type of people that they haven't got in their economy. Um, and so that, that would be one way. But putting that to one side, for example, if you wanted to come to Cyprus to set up a self-employed business, you, you'd have to be able to show that you've got capital of around 430,000 euros, um, uh, whether that be in property or whether it be cash in the bank or, or shares in a company. But, you know, somewhere between, let's say, half, half a million euros of capital to come along and work as a self-employed person and, and get that visa. Um, the a second way would be to have an employment in, in that country. Um, now, the employment could be a company that you're associated with and own. So there's a gray area between, is this my business and is it my capital? 
But if you've got a company and you can show that you're receiving income, then that will be a way that you can move to another country and, and take on uh, a citizenship. So uh, a South American footballer can live and work in France or Spain or Cyprus or the UK um, because his, his income is way above the norms that any of those countries might, might um, set as a minima for coming to live and work in that country. Um, in Cyprus, it happens to be quite low, so a couple uh, husband and wife could come and, and live and work in, in Cyprus if they could show that they had a job where they were earning uh, around 14,500, a little less than 14,500 each. And so between them, um, so that's a total income of 14,200 for a husband and wife would allow them to, to have a, a residency visa to would be living and working in, in Cyprus. So that's quite a low income, if you can show that. So if you've got an existing business that's got a record of paying that income out, then that would be a way forward for people uh, to get a, a permanent residency or um, uh, now or after Brexit. Um, in the UK, is is slightly different extreme. Um, and they, they have a, a, a bit of a different approach. So to get that gen, the same, similar type of general tier two visa to come and live and work in the UK, the income you'd have to show would be £35,000, which is about 40000 sterling. So it's, it's a lot more that you would have to show. And there, there are rules about, you know, is there a local person that could do this job instead? But it, what it clearly shows is one of the reasons why the UK want to uh, move out of the EU is, is, to allow, is, is to allow their people in the UK to take the jobs and maybe force the wages up, whereas a, a European traditionally has, has uh, bought different skills but also um, paid, been paid less money than the, the British equivalent person would, would have been paid. And, and that, that fourth illustration, setting up a business or coming with a job, those options will remain after Brexit. Brexit is not the end of the relationship of the UK with the EU. People will still be able to live and work abroad, the same as British people and European people go to work in the Middle East, in India, in the Far East and in America. Um, all that the UK is doing is moving away from the cosy club of the EU into a world trade agreement and uh, where people have got different conditions country by country where they can go and live and work in another country. Whether, like my niece going to live and work in, in Vietnam to teach uh, English or, or my nephew who is a, a senior programmer for the Australian government in, in Australia. All these, all these things are an option that you've got and um, uh, they're not gonna go away because of Brexit. You have, but, but EU citizens have got an opportunity for the next year, an opportunity to see, seize their rights as an EU citizen to move freely within the EU and register to live and work in that country. So if your ambition is to go and live in uh, Poland or Netherlands 
or Sweden or Denmark or Cyprus or France or Spain, then now is the time for uh, to take over that opportunity and become resident there that will give you the rights to stay living and working in that country indefinitely beyond. Beyond that, it becomes more difficult, but it's not impossible. But you will have to have a job to go to or capital behind you um, uh, to, to uh, either be an EU citizen going to work in the UK or uh, a British expat living and working in Cyprus. Um, Proact Living and Working Abroad Club offer uh, advice and guidance to families and business living and working abroad um, in, in the EU and, and around the world. We cover all these issues in our blog uh, at our livingandworkingabroad.club and at proactpartnership.com. So you're welcome to join us anytime and ask us some questions. We're hosting this uh, webinar from our Facebook page, Living and Working Abroad. And again, you can ask questions on there and our friendly team will answer those when we can. Uh, we run a monthly webinar on living and working abroad. Um, will Brexit calm down a bit? I'm not so sure. There's still some issues to come out. There's the three issues about fishing and finance and Ireland. And there's a couple of other issues which may well raise their head before Brexit in, in a year's time. Um, Cyprus, wonderful country, great people, a divided country, not between Turkey and, and Greece, but there's also some so English sovereign bases there, which are very important to NATO. Um, and a lot of activity goes on there. So there's behind the scenes negotiation going on between Cyprus and the UK. But how will that affect um, uh, Brexit in, in the long run? And how will it affect uh, British and Cyprus expats in the UK and in Cyprus? Uh, it's something we still need to find out. And, and another little gem that might come up and throw some span in the works is Gibraltar. Because uh, Spain still have a sovereign claim on Gibraltar. And uh, if they can handle uh, Catalonia and uh, deal with that issue, they may raise their heads about Gibraltar um, and, 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 like Ireland, cause a veto of the whole deal if they're not given some sort of concessions on, on Gibraltar. Um, which takes us back to Waterloo. So the Europeans have been squabbling since 1815. They stopped briefly last week and uh, agreed to a withdrawal treaty for the EU. And uh, now it's all guns blazing. By October, the trade agreement should be made so that the parliaments can ratify the agreement and the UK can leave uh, the EU by the 29th of March 2019. So if you want citizenship, there's four ways. Uh, read on our website, the blog, where we'll write up these notes and you can watch this video again. Um, but there's different ways. If you want to live and work abroad uh, as an expat in the EU or in the UK, um, there's opportunities before Brexit, but there's opportunities after Brexit. It's not a, a closed door, it's a chapter turning a new page. Thank you for joining us. Uh, next month, at the end of April, uh, we'll be running our, our next seminar. So come and join us on last Thursday of April. 
5 p.m. Cyprus time, 3 p.m. UK, and, and to see more about living and working abroad in the EU. Thank you and good night.